There is a mineral that I'm sure you've heard of that is essential for life and critical for brain and heart health. Most of us are deficient in this mineral, but don't know it, as the deficiency has very few symptoms, but is a big contributor to chronic disease. And today we are bringing it to your attention. My name is April Wright, producer and question asker here on the Women's Mind Body Health podcast, and I'm with Kim Connolly, the dietitian down under. Any guesses on which mineral we're talking about today? It's magnesium, and Kim is here to tell us about it and let us know that it is very important. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, extremely important. Um, and magnesium is one of the most abundant um, minerals that are. Uh, that's retained in the human body and inside of the cell it's second only to potassium so very significant contributor to um, functionality in the body so magnesium is very is essential to the human body and that's why it's um uh, we have a a recommended dietary intake for magnesium okay. have have some data on it and we know how important it is for human function um, and as i said it's the second most abundant um, mineral ion inside of the cell. Um, so what does that mean exactly? So it 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 means that it's stored within the cell rather yeah. than in the bloodstream, and okay. it has important functions to do inside of the cell. So according to a 2015 article, um, which we'll attach in the show notes, just talking about magnesium, it's very important in in um, functions in the body, including catalyzing it sorry including in being involved in about 600 enzyme reactions so an enzyme is a is a compound in the body that speeds up the uh, a reaction um, so very essential for human life and some of these uh, some of the places that the magnesium's most important are in in muscle so mm-hmm. muscle normal muscle function including in in um, the heart as well as the skeletal muscle and also it has very important functions in the brain so essential for life that's that's what our um, vitamins and minerals are can I just ask here I'm just wondering I know after 40 women's and men's muscles decrease inside yeah yeah you lose muscle mass does, does that mean magnesium would be more important later in life what do you think well it's it is it actually is important later in life probably more so because um you get malabsorption issues as you age so that all the cells age as well so even absorption across the digestive tract um puts you at risk of not absorbing as much from your food so okay um but probably one of the biggest causes for deficiency is inadequate intake Um, so people just not being aware that it's so important for health and I guess that's what we want to touch on in this podcast because it's not only important for brain health Mm -hmm. um, but it's also important for heart health as well and um, the issue with magnesium is that we we have it we store about 25 grams of magnesium in our body but most of it is stored in the bone and in the muscle tissue itself so there's not a great deal in the in the blood plasma um, only about one percent of your magnesium is there so um, your body will maintain its plasma concentration of magnesium at the expense of pulling it out of the muscle or bone so when we want to test for magnesium deficiency we're missing that unless we do a 
a muscle biopsy or, or look at the bone magnesium mass itself, oh. um, we can really miss that deficiency. So okay. it's what we would call a subclinical deficiency potentially in most cases and that just means that um, there's not enough of a deficiency to actually get any symptoms at mm-hmm. all but there's enough to create risk of chronic disease and there are certainly some chronic disease associated with magnesium deficiency and we'll touch on those so um, the subclinical issue is that because we don't check either muscle biopsy or bone mass for you know the depletion of the magnesium it can it can be a long time coming before we actually find that there's something wrong right Um, so uh, and, and things that can contribute to magnesium deficiency are um, both the quality of our food. So mm-hmm. if there's heavy metals in the soil or erosion in the soil, that can lead to magnesium deficiencies in the soil. So the foods grown in poor soil as a result um, can be a contributing factor. Um, but also um, just having less of it in our diet as well. So highly processed foods don't have any magnesium or have very little magnesium left right. as well. So um, getting the magnesium back in our food by eating whole foods. And, um, you know, some studies certainly have shown that um, we're, we're overfed but undernourished in right. terms of just not getting that quality of nutrient. Um, so... Even even the amount that we recommend, which um, the RDI for magnesium, depending on if you're male or female in age, it varies a bit, but it's somewhere around about 300 to 420 milligrams per day. Okay. And um, for women, it's closer to the lower end of that. And um, there have certainly been studies in a... Um, sort of listed in a paper that we're going to draw on today looking at cardiovascular risk and magnesium, low magnesium intake, uh, indicating that um, many many groups of people are eating uh, suboptimally for magnesium and that Mm. includes women. Um, So just not actively choosing foods that are higher in magnesium in the diet is an issue. Okay. Um, And um, there, there can be some signs that your magnesium is low um, and um, we're going to cover a few of those today as well and if we look at um, you know ancestral man we anticipate or well the evaluations on what was consumed indicate magnesium may well have been around 600 milligrams per day in that dietary um, model and what was it that's recommended now so recommended about 300 so half yeah so the natural intake because of the type of food that was consumed was higher and magnesium is abundant in the earth crust so it's a it's a major um, contributor to the minerals actually in our in our earth okay so so yes we can we can um, certainly be eating suboptimally, mm-hmm. but also some disease states contribute to the loss of magnesium uh, as well. Um, so there was a, a study that looked at uh, postmenopausal women with osteoporosis mm-hmm. and found out that they were about eighty four percent of those women were magnesium deficient when they looked at the true deficiencies. So. Wow. Very important for bone health um, mm. at the same time. And, of course, if you are eating suboptimally, then your your body has to draw magnesium from muscle or bone in order to maintain its blood volume, um, correct blood volume. 
So we can really miss the boat in terms of identifying its deficiency and it may in turn lead to several chronic diseases of its own Mm. um, because it's so important. So some of those diseases that have been linked to magnesium deficiency are around cardiovascular health but also um, around uh, mental health as well. So depression Mm -hmm. as another one because it's a cofactor in so many of the the enzyme base reactions in the brain as well Um, so some of the cardiovascular risks are interesting because not only can low magnesium be a a cause of potential cause of um, high blood pressure Mm -hmm. but the medications some of the medications we use for high blood pressure also deplete your magnesium further so you get into this negative cycle um and it's not tested for very much magnesium deficiency even if even if the blood test was completely accurate mm-hmm. it's not routinely done okay. by most um certainly around heart disease for most people but um a low magnesium as well can be an indicator of insulin resistance uh, mm-hmm. because when you're when you've got high insulin levels you deplete your magnesium stores as well so not only can low magnesium potentially contribute to um, diabetes insulin Mm -hmm. resistance going on to become diabetes but diabetes is also an indicator that you probably are suboptimal for magnesium too there are some signs of magnesium deficiency Um, so tremor can be a sign of it and also intense cramping in the hands or feet might be a sign of magnesium deficiency okay um, so some of the diuretic medications can cause magnesium deficiency too. So mm-hmm. that, that would be uh, a time at which you, if you're on a diuretic medication for high blood pressure or other reasons, then you might be looking to supplement with magnesium or at least make sure you're getting sufficient in your diet. It's important if you are on some of those medications too and you're looking at magnesium supplementation just to run it by your healthcare provider and make sure that some of those medications you shouldn't be using magnesium with. Mm. Um, so talking to them and your pharmacists uh, when you when you go and, and think about supplementing with anything, you really should look at the combined effect of that and any medications that mm. you're on. So talking about supplementation, that paper from 2015 also discusses um, the beneficial treatment, beneficial treatment of supplementing with magnesium, and that might be for things such as migraine, depression, um, preeclampsia, meaning high blood pressure mm-hmm. uh, during pregnancy, and also coronary artery disease and asthma. So um, there's also some evidence that uh, magnesium might help with um, premenstrual symptoms as well as well as having some anti-inflammatory benefits against chronic inflammation you know, associated with ageing and obesity and those chronic diseases we mentioned, such as diabetes and heart disease. So there are some of the things that there has been a benefit seen with supplementation indicating that there might be some sort of underlying deficiency there in the first place. So specifically around heart disease, because there was a great paper released in 2017 by a research scientist who has um, really focused on both salt and magnesium in the work that he does, and that's James D. Nicolantonio uh, as the principal researcher um, looking at subclinical magnesium deficiency, so meaning once again that 
that deficiency without any real signs or symptoms of it as a primary as a principal driver of cardiovascular disease and just that just our missing really that that subclinical um, problem with magnesium and some of the so that paper culminated with some possible cardiovascular manifestations of magnesium deficiency. So right. affecting the heart, low mag, lower than normal magnesium. Um, and so as I mentioned, hypertension is one of them or high blood pressure. Mm-hmm. But also arrhythmias, meaning abnormal heart rhythm. Um, calcification, so laying down calcium in, in your arteries and um, uh, in your blood vessel walls, which is a um, something that... Uh, some of the or one of the newer tests the coronary artery calcium score measures so one of the very newly promoted tests around determining whether you've got a heart risk an excellent test and that's measuring once again calcification Um, so basically little bits of calcium in your artery wall which we can measure using an x-ray atherosclerosis itself so um, what's that so atherosclerosis, so the damage in the blood vessel wall that leads to um, the the clotting or blocking of the artery, causing okay. a heart attack or stroke. Uh, heart failure itself, so the heart being a muscle, very mm. important, calcium is so important for the heart, and um, it just leading to the, the damage to the heart that actually leads to the failure of the heart. Also increased um, thickening of the blood, so thrombosis, um, which is a, another risk factor and mm-hmm. something that we use sort of aspirin and other blood thinners for. A, a heart attack itself, a stroke or sudden cardiac death. So the, the heart muscle just stops. Okay. And um, so those are all potential manifestations of, of inadequate um, long-term deficiencies in magnesium that we're just not seeing in the seeing not picking up so it's and and he particularly flagged that as being such an easy fix if Mm. we you know all we've got to do is get people eating more magnesium but maybe using a bit of supplementation as well just to just to ensure those adequacies and um he really makes that distinction between um something uh as an acute sort of deficiency or overt deficiency which is something like um uh you know not enough vitamin c causing scurvy where we can actually right. see the manifestation yeah. compared to that subclinical or silent manifestation it really seems like uh, here's something that we should all be aware of but it's difficult to be aware of it because it doesn't show many signs absolutely and, and that's spot on it's exactly mm. the issue is that um, we're tending to eat less because of the processed foods and and diets high in sugar and fat as well drive uh, you know um, are associated with lower magnesium intake as well and okay. and maybe you know sugar and insulin and things like that drive magnesium levels down as well as con- you know displacing it I guess from whole foods mm. and um, so just being aware that we we need to include whole foods in our diet and we'll we'll definitely touch on some of the sources rich sources of magnesium so if we're thinking about the types of foods to include we want to include things that that have magnesium and obviously if an ancestral diet was quite rich in magnesium then a few more things like the soil was probably less depleted in many cases through Um, you know not using agriculture but uh, also just eating more whole foods because that was all that all that was available too 
So when when supplementing with that magnesium, our upper level, so that's the upper safe dose, is mm-hmm. around 300 milligrams according to... Um, according to my references anyway, which are my dietetic references, uh, that might be updated in some of these articles, but about 300 milligrams refers only to supplementation as an upper level. So if you're getting it through diet, you can certainly eat a whole lot more because the kidneys regulate magnesium uptake, but supplements are different from getting it from real foods. So um, some of the excellent sources of magnesium, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll put a list of these down for you, and in fact a, a list to an article written by um, another dietitian, Francisca Spritzler, who does some great, great um, uh, writing around uh, micronutrients and other issues, and her her work in uh, identifying magnesium-rich foods and also the the benefits of uh, oh sorry the the trouble with not eating sufficient magnesium there's a couple of articles which we'll put links to as well if you want to have a a closer look so some of the richest forms of magnesium are in seeds so pumpkin seeds are rich Mm -hmm. and um, foods like your leafy greens like spinach and what we would call swiss chard or silver beet Mm -hmm. are also rich Uh, dark chocolate so cocoa is another really rich source of magnesium um, just try and do it without the sugar or you'll yeah. deplete your magnesium stores potentially that way. Your legumes, so black beans are rich in magnesium and quinoa, uh, some fish like halibut and salmon and mackerel, so your oily fishes, okay. and some other nuts like almonds and cashews. So nuts and seeds have uh, are rich. Um, some of your legumes and the last one that's that's rich too is avocado. And so one of the other foods that um, is is uh, a, a relatively good source of magnesium are bananas as well. So um, some really good sources there. So we've got leafy greens, nuts, seeds um, and your oily fishes as being rich in that. And of course that would perhaps be um, some of the elements of the Mediterranean style diet so recipes around that Mediterranean style diet will will be richer in naturally richer in some of those things I can see why people might be missing it then because not everyone eats spinach or seeds and nuts not everyone eats those every day no that's Oily right fish, yeah yeah and I guess if you're getting if you're getting enough calories so I think it's something like 3,000 calories in order to you know, get get the volume of of a standard diet in order to get the magnesium in, and that of course is not ideal um, if when obesity is an issue. So it really is about about being more um, uh, more aware of the okay. need to yeah. to get good sources of real foods, and mm. and of course those foods are rich in magnesium, but they're also rich in other nutrients as well. So it's coming back to eating real foods again and mm. and just being cognizant of how much processed foods in your diet because you're processing all all of those micronutrients out. So overfed and undernourished yeah. really because um, we're not getting that nutrient density in our diet necessarily. So being cognizant of, of including those. Looks like I did the right thing today, bringing you some silver beet. Yes, you did. <laughs> Just for today. Yes, and we'll have to we'll have to come up with some nice recipes to include um, uh, as links as well. So you know what are what are some favourite ways of using those sorts of foods? Right. Um, 
one for sardines as well would be great because mm-hmm. they're they're such a rich source of nutrients so in summary magnesium is an essential nutrient uh, to consume it appears to be under consumed in our current diet um, and and underabsorbed potentially or lost through mechanisms so under consumed just generally through eating a, a more processed diet but underabsorbed because of um, well anything that damages your gut is going to create underabsorption as well so mm-hmm. any diseases like IBS or Crohn's disease or some of those other illnesses that damage the lining and reduce absorption um, and then we've also potentially got nutrient deficiencies of it in our soil and um, contamination of soil so there's competition um, in in soil for the heavy metals compete with the magnesium for uptake in the plant as well um, so some of some things that can contribute plus some medications also um, can cause magnesium depletion and uh, particularly the diuretic sort of medications uh, and then there are risk factors that uh, low mag- lower magnesium intake or sub clinical magnesium can contribute to so Mm -hmm. things like um, heart disease and a number of of of, um, elements of heart disease there including high blood pressure and arrhythmias uh, and damage actually to the the heart itself um, as well as the uh, risk for insulin resistance um, so low magnesium potentially promoting insulin resistance but also then insulin resistance causing depletion mm. of magnesium yeah. too so it's quite quite circular another circle with insulin resistance yeah that's that's it isn't it mm. um and so a high sugar based diet is going to um drive some of those processes as well as as well as displacing some of the foods that are rich in magnesium um the important thing about that is blood levels can be normal because that's not where we store most of our, mag- our magnesium. It's in the bone and in the muscle. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, by the time you've got osteoporosis, we're, we're, we're already past the stage where we've created damage, but magnesium is deficient in, in um, postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. So making sure we're getting adequate in our, in our earlier years, premenopausally especially, um, Oh, and of course, um, potentially, you know, those crampings or tremors, right. but um, maybe being a clinical sign of of a deficiency. Uh, and sleep is something else that is in, mm. you know, magnesium's important in sleep as well. So uh, it's because it's so abundant in the body and abundant yeah. in nature. It has we've we've genetically we rely on it. So mm. a lot of our um, a lot of our our functions in our body require magnesium to go ahead and to um, to have our body working in good health. So mm. not just meeting a, um, a minimum level but having enough so that we can actually enjoy good health. And I guess that's the, that's the take-home message is that um, we can eat so we meet just the recommended dietary intake but that may not be sufficient in our current environment for achieving good health so making sure we're getting more than that minimum intake to get um, to see see good health effects and just being aware if you've got some of those issues cardiovascular or or diabetes or insulin resistance then focusing on adequate magnesium as a as a way of minimizing that as a contributing factor to any of those illnesses do you know how much we have to eat 
what are the amounts we should kind of think about in terms of nuts and seeds or yeah, leafy sure. greens? So the article that we're going to link to this that Francisca wrote um, does give you a list of the of some of those rich sources of magnesium and then how much um, how much of the RDI you're getting from them. So I'll just give you a quick overview of some of those. Okay. Um, but you can certainly go and look at these articles if if um, any of this apply you feel applies to you and there's some more information there so some of those good foods or excellent food sources of magnesium are pumpkin seeds so they provide nearly 50 percent of your recommended dietary intake in a quarter of a cup okay quarter cup yep um boiled spinach about 40 percent of the rdi in a cup of boiled spinach one cup so that's quite a bit that is quite a bit yeah, yeah. so you wouldn't possibly uh, generally eat perhaps a cup of cooked spinach or cooked silver beet Um, they're about the same actually they're both around 40 percent in a cup Um, dark chocolate so dark chocolate meaning you know you're at least above 70 percent cocoa gives you about a third of the rdi um, in 100 grams now i'm not encouraging you to eat 100 grams of dark chocolate (laughs) because that's um, a fair bit of dark chocolate but just having a, a bit of dark chocolate it yeah. still contributes to your overall intake in the day yeah. your legumes of course so um, those whole grains such as um, the black beans that are mentioned here which gives you about a third of the rdi in one cup but also other legumes are rich in magnesium and I often say just in general nut seeds leafy greens oily fish um, mm. oily fish Leafy greens, nut seeds and dark chocolate are quite excellent sources of, um, of magnesium. Mm. And avocado, so one medium avocado gives you about 15% of the recommended dietary intake. Okay. Um, so it gives you a bit of an idea, yeah. but it really is a matter of eating whole foods. You know, we have to include whole foods in our diet to get that broad range of micronutrients. Right. And you just saying that it's, I mean, I try to eat. relatively well but I'm thinking oh those are big amounts of food they seem like big amounts yeah and you really have to put a lot into a day so you really do need those whole foods you do need to include them yeah include Mm. them or or talk to your your health professional about getting a supplement that Mm. just tops you up so that you're not at least inadequate on a daily basis because the the downstream effects of those could be far more substantial than we have thought about in previously Um, as I said this article by James is only 2017 so it was only last year really flagging magnesium as being a a factor in heart disease and a significant one Mm. Um, so uh, that's only fairly recent times that we've become aware of some of the the importance of these micronutrients um, because it ha- it is getting washed, our diet's diluted in terms of micronutrients because of the way potentially that we're eating. So mm. just going back to basics and and going right up. Well, I I need to include some nuts and seeds if I can. Certainly seeds. Most people can do seeds, mm-hmm. um, and I need to include you know some vegetables that are rich in magnesium and and um, bananas as we mentioned as a fruit. Um, particularly if you're active and uh, so not only magnesium but potassium of course for bananas the other major um, um, intracellular 
um, iron, so magnesium and potassium, both being really essential for keeping the cell functioning. And our, our body is just this whole group of cells, so you know they're they're crucial for that. So one idea I have, I'm just thinking of recipes. Um, I have not tried, but I have seen these paleo breads and these low carb breads recipes. They have a lot of nuts in them. They have a lot of seeds in them. Yeah, especially yeah. almond. So that might be uh, one way to reduce your wheat, reduce your carbs, and increase your magnesium. Yes, absolutely. There's a, in fact, that while we're thinking about recipes, I ha- I do have a great one, um, which is um, a slow cooker recipe, mm-hmm. which is a a dark chocolate brownie. So it's a low sugar dark mm-hmm. chocolate brownie, and it, of course it's made with almond meal. So once again, it's rich in nuts it's got the dark cocoa in it as well Mm -hmm. um, as well as some um, bits of dark chocolate and um, eggs in it that's a lovely one a lovely recipe that I um, and we'll we'll link it in as well it came out of um, the I quit sugar series Mm -hmm. and it's the slow cooker cookbook from there so that's a, a lovely recipe uh, for those who want something that's low in sugar but rich in some of those micronutrients um, as a as a dessert, um, as an occasional dessert sort of item. And it, it uses rice malt syrup, so um, it's got a, a twinge of sweetness to it, but it's, it's uh, not very sweet. So if we find any more good recipes for magnesium, I will post them in the show notes so that you have some good ideas to try. When we think about where magnesium is and in fact all of our minerals they they come from the earth so plants and and nuts and seeds are going to be the richest source of of the minerals whichever mineral we're looking at whether it's potassium or or magnesium so if we turn to our plants then we're going to and include those regularly in our diet then we're going to at least have some sources in our diet Show notes for this podcast can be found at dietitiandownunder.com slash magnesium. I will also make this Magnesium Week on our Dietitian Down Under Facebook page and post recipes, quotes, and other important info from today's podcast. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast and have a great week.